0: Why do we, we plead and, 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 and really celebrate things like home groups and connecting? And, because I'm telling you, attending 24-7 church, it's beautiful and, 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 and you'll be blessed and you'll experience the Lord. But being a part, an active part of the body, getting actively involved in encouraging and doing life together, whether it's coffees or dinners or whether it's home group or whether it's serving, whatever it is, being involved, actively a part of the body, I promise you there is a reward of His presence in that place that cannot be experienced anywhere else. It's like you, you you don't get to come and attend something and then think you get the reward of something that you didn't pay for. And you go like, oh, that sounds like legalism. No, hear me. Jesus gives us the gift of salvation. He gives us His presence. He gives us Himself for free. But it's interesting that every example in the New Testament of those who say yes to Jesus lay down their lives for Him. And I find it interesting that people who lay their lives down for Jesus, they they can access the presence of the Lord quickly. Because there's there's no other things holding their heart. Do you know, being outside of Johannesburg, I realized... You know, there's principalities and strongholds and things, and you know, I don't want to get into all that stuff, but you know, you can go into different climates, spiritual climates, and you go like, Whoa, there's just some <laughs> some scary stuff here or whatever. And coming back to Joburg was so weird because we got off the plane and the 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 atmosphere was open. And I, I I live here, so I'm just I we just do our thing. But it was being somewhere else in an intense environment, coming back and going, Whoa, we live in that. Oh, that's, that's good. That's nice. Honestly, we might not have nice mountains. and We've got good coffee and we've got good people. And I think that's enough for revival. I don't know if you're with me, but I'm like, you know, I go to Cape Town. I'm like, I love the Cape Town people. I love that. But I go, Joburg people are golden, man. Joburg, city of gold, right? Joburg people are awesome, and God's got a plan and a destiny for this city, and there's so many people go, oh, I hate Joburg, and about two weeks ago, that was me, you know, Joburg just sucks, like, if, you, if it's not the call of God, why are you in Joburg, and this is how you think, and I'm like, what are we talking about? Maybe you just got to go, and just go and see what's happening in some other places, because the reality is beauty, what, what defines beauty in the house of God has changed. There's nothing to do with what you can see, it has to do with what we're carrying, the treasure, that's His presence. But here's the thing, we, I came back and I said, Lord, that's so interesting, I get off the plane and there's an open heaven over Johannesburg, and I'm like, okay, that's so interesting, so I said, Lord, <clears throat> I know that a couple of weeks ago, I was like, yo, Lord, it's hard in Jo'burg. So I was like, Lord, what was that? What was that that I was feeling? And the Lord was explaining to me that, you know, there's different journeys in different cities. How many of you know we, we're right now in the book of Revelation, and there's letters addressed to cities that are journeying different things, the church in those cities? So the Lord spoke to me about what he was doing in Cape Town and what they're dealing with. But he spoke to me about Joburg. He said, you know, Connor, he said, Joburg is, is right there. We're ready for, for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like we've never seen before. We need to deal with one thing. So he said to me, mammon. He said, the fight, what you're coming up against in Johannesburg is mammon. You're coming up against, against and we're going to go there in Matthew 6, you're coming up against that thing of two masters, money and God. It's interesting, it doesn't say the devil, <laughs> Are you with me? It doesn't say there's, this, there's two masters and one, one's the devil and one's God and choose who you'll serve. It actually doesn't say that. The devil's not a master. He can't actually be a lord over you. Because he, see, here's the thing he wasn't created in the image of God, you were. He can't be lord over you. So, what does he do? He, if, he, if he can't be it, he'll create something or use something or, 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 or get something to represent essentially worshiping yourself rather than worshiping the Lord. And so money is this representation of my empire, my life, selfish ambition, what I can do, my self-sufficiency. And what I love is it's almost like a picture of two trees again. So if you've got your Bibles, let's jump to Matthew chapter 6. Why am I saying this this morning? I'm saying this because I'm I'm actually ridiculously excited about where we're positioned, and uh, I felt like this trip. You know, there was a few moments where we were like, "Why are we here?" And Lord, what's happening? This is really intense. Um, and uh, man, I had to bring in some stuff, and it was it was there was a bit of rebuke in things. It was intense, but it put a love in my heart for the local church. It put a deep love in my heart for what Jesus is building. But it also helped me get excited because I began to see this shift. And I'm like, Lord, what you're doing in the people of Joburg, they're actually, they're right there. They're ready. They're ready. If we can deal with mammon, if we can deal with, with this thing, with this money thing, <clears throat> then we're ready. And Joburg's going to be a sending city. Yes. Joburg's is going to be a, a blessing to the nation of South Africa. It's going to be a blessing to the continent of Africa and to the nations of the world. <coughs> Excuse me. My throat is quite dry. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 from verse 19. I'm reading from the Amplified. It says this. Do not store up for yourselves material treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Listen to this. Amplified says it like this. For where your treasure is, there your heart, your wishes, your desires that on which your life centers will be also. I want to stop there. We're going to read the rest, but stop there for a second. The Lord's been speaking to me. Uh, there was a statement that I heard again and again and again while I was in the Middle East. And every time they go through something difficult, they say this one line, he's the treasure in the field. That's what they would say. So there was a situation that I was there a part of while, uh, while I was with the team and, and it was a bit hectic and, you know, they needed to sort something out, and I could see it was bringing a little bit of stress and worry specifically to one or two members of the team. <clears throat> and so they said, he's the treasure in the field. And it was like every time they said it, it was like they anchored themselves in something. And so I began to meditate on this, and, and I mean, I, there's so much about that parable that's so beautiful, but here's the thing. The presence of Jesus, it's the person, it's the manifest person of, of the Holy Spirit in the midst of us it's the greatest treasure of your life. Honestly, like, it's been marking me. I'm going, Lord, your presence. We, we, you know, when we come together as a, as a church, we're not playing presence. It's not like a game we play or like some sort of thing we do where we, we, we know how to like stir up an atmosphere and a vibe and get some goosies and like, oh, this, the room is feeling good, right? We're not playing presence. When we say presence, we mean face, when we say presence, we mean the manifest person of the Holy Spirit is here. The person of God is in the room. And I think the more we get this revelation, it's going to shift our worship because it's going to come this, this, this joyful awe and reverence of like, oh my goodness, God's here again. Yeah. He was with me in the car on the way here in a different way, but now when we come together, it's like the kingdom and the dominion and the rule and reign of God is in the midst of his people, right? But his presence is the treasure. And so I began to just meditate on and say, Lord, your presence in my life, the person of the Holy Spirit, is the greatest treasure I will ever carry. It is the most beautiful thing I could ever steward. It It is what defines my life. A relationship with the Holy Spirit is my goal and my aim and my purpose for living. And, and as I was meditating on this, and I'd encourage you to meditate on revelation that God gives you in the Word, as you read the Word, sit on that thing and let God build it up in you. Because suddenly, as I'm meditating on this, the freedom that's coming is like, Lord, I can lose everything. That's what <laughs> I'm trying to communicate this. What, what that led me to was He becomes so worthy in my heart, so beautiful in my heart, as I'm meditating on this, as I'm exalting, as I'm, as I'm seeing Him rightly and saying, Holy Spirit, I love you, Jesus, you're everything to me. You're all that I need. Suddenly I'm going, I could lose everything. I'm okay. I'm not okay when I'm not seeing Him, when I'm not walking in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Then I don't want to lose anything. Then my tithe is like, a <gasps> oh, God, okay. Thank God we did that. Let's try to get through the month. But when I'm in love with him, he he can have everything. He can have my whole life. And then the situations and the circumstances, when when life is screaming at you, I felt it this morning. I I felt that God was going to come and minister the government of peace over the church. Because I'm telling you now, life is shouting at you. So tell it to shush. Are you with me? Life is shouting at you. Things get loud, they scream at you. And the next thing you're like, oh, I can't handle this. It's too much. God, what's happening? And God's like, I'm right here. I've been with you this the whole time, I'm talking to you the whole time, but you're listening to the shouting situations and circumstances, and God's saying, tell them to shush, tell it to wait. No, but you don't understand, it's my job. Well, I didn't know your job was Lord. Tell your job to wait, but I, I need a decision now. No, you don't. That's called shouting, screaming at you, demanding things from you, telling you how to live your life. Take my job. Now this is not I'm not advocating for you know, a quit your job movement, because <laughs> that, that sometimes gets misinterpreted. If we all quit our jobs, how do we change the world? Do you hear what I'm saying? But how do you change the world if your job tells you how to live? Are you with me? Some of you need to tell your bosses, easy, that's too much. Some of you need to actually have conversations and say, hey. I'm going to walk in a spirit of honor and I'm going to do the best that I can do to make this business succeed because that's what good Christians do. But let me tell you, here's the boundaries. (laughs) Because we're the only ones who don't do that. Muslims don't have a problem doing that. Because they value something. Oh, sorry, on these days, I don't work, ever. (laughs) But what if it's an emergency? Deal with it. Are you with me? Why? They treasure something. And it blows my mind. I'm like, you don't, I, I spend a lot of time with Muslims. I'm like, you don't even know what you treasure. You have this law that you hold and you're, trying to, you're doing it out of fear. Fear is motivating you to do that. We have the abundance of the Spirit of Jesus inside of us, but we let people walk all over us. We let the enemy just dictate to us through your job and through your relationships. Fa- Honestly, some of, the, some of your own family members, you've got to know where those boundaries are. Are you coming into that space? Well, this is not your space. This is me and Holy Spirit space. I know you're going through some stuff, and I love you, and I'm here to support you, but back away. I'm not speaking as a general rule. I'm speaking into situations and circumstances that you're facing right now where there's pressure on you. If there's pressure on your life, it's because you're carrying a burden that He didn't ask you to carry. Put it off and on the other side of the yoke. Are you with me? Why am I hitting this? Because I'm like, oh, I, I feel this like zeal in my heart. Lord, if we, could, if we could hit this thing, if we could deal with this thing, something's going to shift. Honestly, the provision of God, I've been, I've been thinking about this and I've been praying, Lord, when's the right time to do it? And I feel now's the right time. Do you know that there's a realm of faith? And it's where the provision of God flows. The provision of God is not this like, um, this thing that just, you know, kind of you wait for it to like show up. And then and then you hope it shows up in your situation. And so you cry out, you're pleading with God, begging for provision, like God's gonna do something. And then if it doesn't happen, you kind of start to question, you know, well, I'm definitely not a prosperity guy. I'm you know, because I tried. Like faith, you don't try faith out. Are you with me? Most of of the, the Western church, this is how we live our lives. We like we strain and contend and hope that provision shows up. It's not like that. That's not how the kingdom works. There's a realm of faith where provision flows and what it requires is for you to abandon everything. And you go, "Well, what are you talking about?" Well, let's let's use the the number one prosperity preacher story. And I'm I'm not against prosperity. I'm a prosperity preacher, but presence prosperity, not other stuff. That's a blessing, but it's great. Abraham. God says, "I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a son." Your descendants are basically going to just fill nations. He's like, I'm going to to bless you and use you and your family and your descendants like you can't even imagine. Now, here's old Abraham and Sarah, and they they have Isaac. And now, here's here's the introduction to the promise. Here's the, the, the beginning of the promise of God's favor and blessing on your life. And he gets Isaac, and it's like, oh, man, can you imagine Abraham and Sarah going, oh, can you, like, this is the beginning of what God's going to do on the earth. And then the Lord says to him, I want you to take him up that mountain, I want you to kill him, and give him back to me. Now, is God, is God double-minded? But, Lord, you said, you said that you were going to use me and my family, my descendants, to, to fill the nations and to rule and reign and to walk in the favor of God. And, and now you're going to kill that. Are you double-minded? No, Abraham doesn't do that. This is what rocks me. Abraham takes his boy and everything he needs and heads to the mountain. And he's wa- Let me just, let, this, is, this, this is not a story. This happened. If you've got a son, take your boy to a mountain and get ready to kill him. Think about that. Because God said. <laughs> Every person in this room right now would probably go, not a chance that God say that. That's from the pit of hell. That's the demons. You know, they followed me to Joburg. I'm teasing. It's like, how can that be God? So what did Abraham understand? He picks his boy up, or takes his boy, takes all their stuff, and they head off. And they get to the mountain, they, they leave the, the servants and things down, and they, they head up the mountain. And Isaac, can you imagine that whole trip he's chatting to his dad? He's, what he understands is me and dad are going to love the Lord. We're going to go bless God. We're going to make a sacrifice to the Lord and love Him. So Isaac's walking with his dad. They're probably chatting about things and how bad Man United are doing and all these things. How you know making strategies on how we can burn Anfield and all these things. <laughs> that one was for gaff. But they're they're in this conversation, you can imagine talking, father, son. They get to the mountain, now we're going up the mountain, and now dad says it's just me and dad going up. The others don't get to come. And we walk walking, and, and now Isaac's starting to like, where's the sacrifice? Now, I, my dad and I have this conversation often. I don't know how that conversation, what that must have felt like when Abraham's going like, now we've got to the point where we're building the, the altar, the altar's built, and Isaac's still like, oh, well we, maybe we're trusting God that he's going to just, you know, somebody's going to appear on the altar. And the next thing, your dad turns to you and goes, get on the altar, boy. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying here? This is this is phenomenal. This is astounding. This is this is a father turning to his boy and saying, "Get on the altar." And we go like, "How could God be like that?" Well, that's what he did for you. It's exactly what he did for you. He said to his own son, "Get on the altar, boy." So he he tells Isaac to get on the altar, and this is what rocks me. Isaac trusts his father and the Lord so much so that he lets his dad bind him up and put him on the altar. <laughs> I would take my dad out. <laughs> or at least try. <laughs> What's going through my head is my, my grandson and my dad, like, boy, you might be tall enough, you'll never be big enough. That day I would prove them wrong. You bind me up and you put me on the altar. But Isaac is going like, well, this must be God. There's a couple things here that you need to understand. Abraham's living in a realm that most of us don't understand. You see, because I believe Abraham had two things going in his heart. One, Lord, I have to give you everything. I have to forsake all else so that I can have you all else. This isn't his Ferrari. This is his son. This isn't his extra house. This isn't his tithe. This isn't a little bit of extra money to to give and bless that person. This is his boy. I must forsake all else so that you will be Lord of my life. That was the one thing. I believe the second thing was this. Lord, you promised and you never lie, which means if you make me kill him, you'll raise him from the dead. That's what I believe was going on in his heart. These tensions of one, I must forsake all else. Two, Lord, you don't lie and you promised. So if you're telling me to kill him, you know what's going on and somehow I'm getting this boy back. But here's the thing. He puts Isaac on the altar. Now Isaac's lying there and here's Abraham. He takes the, the knife or whatever you want to call it and it's like, you know, it, this is the story. He doesn't just get to here and it's like, oh, thank you, God, okay, I didn't have... no, it wasn't like that, it was like he had to make the decision, God waited till Abraham made the call, I don't think you understand this, God didn't like, oh, well done, you did the whole hike, carried everything up the mountain, built the altar, and Isaac even got on the altar, wow, guys, you guys are awesome, honestly, we would be like rewarding ourselves after the hike, you know, like, Lord, look at what we do for you, yeah. No, God waited for Abraham to choose. Who's Lord? The promise or me? Who's Lord? I want you to picture this. God's there going like, carry on. Abraham, now Lord, surely, Lord, where's the where's the breakthrough here? Where's the you know, 180 turn? This situation needs to change. No, carry on. Till you make the call in your heart, I'm going to put a knife through my promise. I'm going to give it back to God. And he comes down. And it's when he's made the call and now he's coming down to do it that God interrupts him. And I'll tell you why. In that moment, Abraham learned the principle of this kingdom realm. When I forsake all else, I can truly possess God. And from that day, God provides the ram. Isaac is like dripping in sweat, like, thank God, you know. Can you imagine? I want you to understand this. Isaac didn't live with uh, daddy problems, you know, after that. Can you imagine the trauma? Like, my dad tried to stab me with a knife in the desert on a mountain. Like, in today's world, it'd be like, get away from me, dad. I don't want to even see you again, right? No, Isaac understood something like, hold on. God's trying to teach us something, God's shaping something in our hearts. This is about him. This is about what he's doing on the earth. He wants to use my family to bring about the people of God on the earth. I need to understand him. And I believe from that moment, he takes Isaac off, they kill the ram, they make a sacrifice to the Lord, worship the Lord. I believe from that moment when Abraham walked down that mountain, he was not the same man. I believe that God could trust him with wealth, material wealth, because it was never his Not even his own son was his anymore. Now that's the example, and and, and most prosperity teachers will will use that as the example of wealth, that God wants to trust you with Abraham because we're in a covenant of grace. Now let me just take you across real quick to the New Testament. You show me one person. Show me one person whose assignment was just to be stinking rich. No, it's not there. But what you do see is God can move in absolute abundance over people's lives because their hearts are not connected to it. Because they're free. Listen to what Jesus is, is, is sharing and teaching. He's saying, don't store up for yourselves treasures on the earth. I mean, I, I, I'm not being horrible. I, man, it's, this is a journey for all of us. I, my heart's got to get free. We've we got to get free from, from that, that idol of money, right? Because here's the thing. The Bible's just so clear. It's why I know I upset people and we have, you know, challenging conversations around this. But just read it. Don't store up for yourselves material treasures on the earth. Now, I think the Lord only means when you get to the fifth house. That must be when it becomes material, you know. I'm just being real with you. so clear and simple don't store up for yourselves material treasure on the earth where moth and rust destroy in other words god's saying it's actually not good for you it's you might think it's it's nice you'll lose it please hear me on this i'm i'm not saying this because i'm i'm like i'm not for poverty seriously i hate poverty i hate poverty just as much as i hate pride i hate poverty I don't, god doesn't want people in lack But what he's saying is, when you live for material possession, when you live for the things of this world, when you allow those things to take a hold of your heart, then you can't truly possess God because you've made mammon Lord. We're going to see that in a second. When your job tells you how you feel more than he does, something's wrong. When your job tells you how your day's going more than the Holy Spirit, something's wrong. When your family members dictate to you how you're doing, what God's saying, and how you feel, something's wrong. And I'm not preaching independence and isolation, but I'm just saying if you don't know the Holy Spirit, life's going to be seriously messy. You can't live the Christian life in this time without the Holy Spirit. And I want to just say this. I think God wants to use believers to model what true wealth looks like. And I've said this before. My desire is that God could trust us with millions and billions because it flows. But we cannot measure our Christianity by those things because then the the guy in the Middle East who has nothing is laying his life down for 200 people in an unreached village. He's not successful according to God because he lives off of $10 a month. You see what I'm saying? We can't measure it by those things, but what's beautiful is that I do believe that God will use believers to actually model something of true wealth because their heart is not connected to it and because they can truly be a blessing to the nations. And there's many people in this room who are doing that. So what I'm sharing today, I'm not cutting at you or trying to, I'm saying let's make sure our hearts are free from mammon so that we can actually be a blessing to the nations because Johannesburg is the city of gold. It's the city of golden opportunities. Our mayor said that, and she's a believer apparently, but she said it. This city is a city of golden opportunities, meaning yes, I want you to fly in your businesses. I want you to come alive. I want to see your businesses better than all the other ones. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit. But make sure that you're not better financially, but worse off according to pride, that you don't serve anybody, you're not loving people, people aren't getting saved, healed, delivered, restored, made whole, because that comes way before. Are you with me? If we're not loving people, but we're using people to get rich, something's wrong. <clears throat> and it's the same thing. Maybe you're like, well, I'm, I don't own my own business, I don't, but you, you, you work. Well, just what's the motives? behind what you're doing, and is it holding your heart? Are you with me? Because it says, where your treasure is, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart, your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers will be also. Why am am I hitting this so hard? Because where your treasure is, that's where your life will be centered. That's what you're going to build your life on. See, if you build your life on Jesus and he gives you millions, I celebrate that. I'm like, come on. Come on. You know what we can do with millions? You know what we can do? You know how many people we can love? How many churches we can plant? How many people we can reach? We can turn our city upside down. So yes, I, oh, come on, I want that. But what's your life centered on? Because to this day, I haven't yet met a millionaire or a billionaire who could have everything today, and God could tell him to give everything tomorrow, and he'd be okay, or she'd be okay. In fact, I've journeyed. I've had men a long time ago, a couple years ago, journey with me who were on a different world in terms of that, money. And they loved, oh, we need to have conversations until I started to talk like this. Then it was like, whoa, hold on. We don't think we're meant to run together. Because what you're doing is opening up my grid reference to hear God. You're opening up that landing space to hear God when it comes to an area of my life that I want to be in control in. This is what God's doing in my own, myself and Jess, I found When it comes to finances, like I, when, when God starts to move, I'm going like, Lord, what do I do with this? If, you're, if, if finances are growing, ask Him. If finances are shrinking, ask Him. Because it's not connected to your identity. It's not tied to your heart. If you're rooted in Him, if you're hearing the voice of God, follow Him. He's got a plan, He's got a strategy, He knows what He's doing. You know, most reasons for financial difficulty in, the, in the, the Western church today is when our salaries shrink but our lifestyles don't. Because sometimes, just to so you know, we've, we've journeyed this, sometimes it seems to shrink a little bit and then we, we will not budge on the lifestyle that I live. Right? So now, where is God I have KFC every Friday night, and now there's no money for KFC. And now, how are you doing, bro? No, dude, I don't know what's happening, but I'm seeing some, the devil's attacking my finances, bro. Like, I haven't had KFC in two weeks. Are you with me? We do this. We do this. It's like, oh, hold on. It's a bit of a difficult situation. The numbers are dropping. My lifestyle, there's no way I'm going to let that drop. But Paul says, I've learned to be in abundance, I've learned to be in lack, and yet in both of those things, in all things, I can do, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's like Jesus, it's like, you know, he's the guy who can, who can say, go catch a fish, take the coin out the fish's mouth and pay our taxes. I mean, if you want to talk about wealth, right? Imagine we could just make money by just going like, hey, just head down to the Yuxke River, uh, see if you can find a living fish, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and open its mouth, and, you know, you'll find a whole wad of, of cash in there. Imagine it was like that, like, just, and, and this is the supernatural. Here's Jesus, he's the same one, but he's also the guy who says, I don't even have a home. I don't, I don't actually have anywhere to rest my head. Are you with me? It, like, blows my mind. It's like, Jesus, hold on. And then, and then, just, again, please, let's read our whole Bibles. He sends out his disciples, and this is what he says, take nothing with you. <laughs> In fact, don't even take two tunics. i got a real problem with that. I sweat a lot, you know. It's like, that's some serious faith. Lord, I have to, I have to believe God for a second shirt? But why, why was he doing that? It's not because Jesus goes, you know what, I want my workers poor. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, will you trust me? You see, because I promise you there's only one thing on this this earth that's going to grab your heart quickly and, and rob you of the voice of God and its money. It's comfort. It's the luxuries of this world. You know, I believe, I have so much respect for people who carry an assignment in the, the top tier of business. Honestly, what I'm sharing today, I'm not knocking that. I'm showing you the seriousness of of when God trusts you to handle money, man, I, I'm like, Lord, we got to pray for, for each other. we got to stand together. we got to be accountable to one another because we want to serve the Lord. You see, because I promise you, if you do the things that I'm saying today, God will trust you with wealth. I know He will. There's many of you in, a, in the season right now that in COVID, when, when things got difficult, it got better for you. That's not wrong. <laughs> I celebrate. I'm like, yes, God. That's how we're, we're the ones who emerge in the midst of crisis, right? My, my, my heart cry today is let's keep our hearts pure before the Lord. Let's make sure that we're led by Him. Is this m- making sense? I wanna, I'm, I'm being very thorough and slow working through this because I want to make sure your heart's not offended at what I'm saying. I'm not saying you can't have wealth. I'm saying, who's your Lord? Are you with me? Then it says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is clear your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad or spiritually blind, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light inside of you, your inner self, your heart, your conscience is darkness, how great and terrible is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon and now let me just show you the amplified. That's why I like the amplified, okay? Just in case you like try to, you know, hide something away from that word mammon. This is what mammon means money, possessions, fame, status, or whatever is valued more than the Lord. So, like, I'm, I've been talking a lot about money, but I believe there's a lot of us that instead of money, it's been family, it's been your. your relationships, you've idolized one of your your family members, your wife, your husband, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. Oh, it's okay to knock money, just don't knock that, hey? You know what I mean? No, do you hear what I'm saying? Because you, you're not even, if, if, that's, if that's happening in your life, you don't actually love that person. It's need. Love is when I'm free, when I'm free, when I can love my wife with no strings attached. It's like you don't get a better day from me because you were nice to me today. And then, you know, tomorrow actually was a bad day and you tuned me and now, well, you get silent treatment, you know. Are you with me? Oh, come on, that happens. I'm not, we do this. But if my perspective is clear, if my eye is healthy, my whole body is filled with light. If my perspective, if, if, I'm, if I'm submitted and yielded to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, He will take care of me. And, and the reason why I've been wanting to touch on this is because I know, and many of you have been a part of, of my story, and I can use my story, but I know a lot of your stories, and it's, we have similar, similar stories, but I'll use mine, in that I've seen the Lord's provision through the family of God and, and through the supernatural stuff, and through work, and through different seasons where it looked like different things, but not one time have we gone without. Do you know that there was a year where I was convinced, and the Lord spoke to me, and it was the word of the Lord. He was asking me to transition into full-time ministry, but there was no salary or finances, and we went 12 months, nearly 12 months. Jess didn't have work. it was more, hey? Was just over 12 months, Jess didn't have work, I didn't have work, but we gave ourselves to the Word of the Lord, and every month we were taken care of. Now, we didn't do nothing. We gave ourselves fully to ministry and to loving people and connecting and discipling people because we believed we heard the Word of the Lord. But I remember a couple seasons before that, I thought I heard the Lord that it was time to go into ministry, and He did not help me out. In fact, He said, go get a job. And I did. And I was the best post-net manager in Joburg for 3 months. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is sometimes that's the provision of the Lord. Sometimes God's like, actually I want you to work cuz I got you here and I'm teaching you things and I'm working in your heart and I'm doing things. And there might be a different season, but when you get into that different season, you follow God. If it's the word of the Lord, he'll provide. Do you see what I'm saying? So some of you are in these like whirlwind situations. And like today, why I'm hitting this is because I actually want to release a blessing over your businesses, over your families. That's what I'm here to do. But if I, if I was to release a blessing of abundance and wealth over you and you made that Lord, I'd be doing you a disservice. And then I'm going to stand before Jesus and say, I was accountable for your souls. You hear what I'm saying? No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other. I mean, that's like polar opposites or will be devoted to the one and despise the other. I don't know if you've seen the language here, but Jesus is making it very clear that money and God don't cuddle. Right? It's like when God trusts me with money, I keep that thing under my foot. God wants me to bless some people? Hold on. Why? Because this, my life and my perspective, it's got to be the Lord. Lord. He's Lord of my life. Are you with me? There's a lot more to that. but So we're being postured right now. I didn't, you know, this is, this, The Lord gave this to me about 10 minutes before the service started um, because something shifted in my heart when we landed last night, and I'm like, Lord, I'm, I'm actually I'm excited. See, can I just encourage you and, and hear me? This is probably, probably the most important thing I'll say today. So you really want to listen to this one this is not a time to shrink back. This is not a time to pull out, pull back. I'm serious, man. Do you know how many times I wanna do that? Sometimes, i just let you into my world, sometimes I, I watch your lives and I fantasize what it's like. Like, imagine, imagine doing what they do. Like. <laughs> like, I, maybe, imagine I coach tennis. Sure, I'd be awful at it, but. <laughs> like, and then I think about it, I go like, wow. God gives Pete grace every day to stand on that court under the burning sun and hit tennis balls at children. It's <laughs> not easy, that. <laughs> but do you know what I love? Do you know that when God's grace is on you, now, I can use Pete because we journey together. Like, man, we wrestle each other in the Scriptures, you know? We disagree with each other, and then we come through in love, and like, yeah, God's good. After I've told him he was wrong, you know? And then, I'm C. But what I love is when I watch him do what he's doing right now, and, and, and he covenanted himself to me to hold him accountable. But I watch him do co- tennis coaching. You've got to see this guy's YouTube channel. I want to play tennis when I watch him, and I, I don't like tennis. I think... I... I But I watch his videos, and he's like, now listen, champions, let me tell you how you're going to do this. And I'm going, yes, sir. I'm serious, man. Do you know, Morris and I talk about it. we go, like, dude, did you watch the last video that he put up? Like, it was actually really good. And do you see the the grace and the favor on what they're doing? Tennis coaching. God takes tennis coaching and goes, I'm going to breathe on your business. Why? Because you've honored me, and you love me, and I'm your Lord. And, And Pete's been on a journey. I'd encourage you to go chat to Pete about it. People tell you, actually, like, he's been on the journey of that, of his heart. Where's your heart at? And when his heart's given to the Lord, you actually see, wow, God breathes on you. And it doesn't always look like, because sometimes we think God must breathe on me by giving me lots of money. Right? It's like, uh, Lord, I, I gave you my heart. Where's the cash? No, that's not what we were talking about. Sometimes, sometimes God does breathe on you that way, and it's like, His <laughs> blessing. Other times it's like, His grace to be a good dad and a good husband and run your business well. His grace to have a greater capacity to do what I've called you to do. You with me? So I want to release that blessing over you, but I, I want to encourage you this morning and say, if we would deal with this stuff in our hearts, if we take this before the Lord and say, Lord, all that matters to me is the treasure of who you are, the Holy Spirit inside of me. And if I don't know you, Holy Spirit, then I want to know you. and I'm, Then I'm on the journey to know you. Then let's, let me get around people who know you and get them to pray with me, and stand with me, and disciple me. I want to know you. Are you with me? And from that, I promise you, you're going to see the rivers begin to flow. Rivers of the Spirit of Jesus in your life. Rivers of provision. Because what God's going to do in and through His church in Johannesburg, it's so big. It's so wonderful and so beautiful. And I don't want want 24-7 to be good at Sunday services but not be postured in God's hand to write the story that he wants to write. Are you with me? I want to be the pen in his hand. I want 24-7 Church to be the pen in his hand. I want your business and your marriage and your families to be the pen in his hand. We're a part of the story that he's writing.